studying, I almost came to look at this as a tragedy. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris. I'm Yurla. And we're here again. Yay, podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to keep that as our intro? Yeah, that'll be the intro. Show, just so you guys could hear how excited we are to do the show. No, actually, I'm really looking forward to this one. <laughs> I was like, Please correct it. People are just going <laughs> to like, what happened with the viewership for that episode? Yeah, it went down fast. Quick spike. Or, yeah, a quick drop. <laughs> yeah, a quick drop and, and uh, all the listeners. Again, thank you everyone who's listening. It's just been phenomenal for us to see where people are listening across the country. And not just across, across the country, but across uh, the globe in general of, of everywhere that's getting listened to. Like whoever's in Russia listening to us, super cool. Thank you for doing that. I saw there was someone listening in Jordan, which is super cool. Canada, out there in Ontario, we've got someone listening. So it's, it's going everywhere. People are listening to the show, and we just want to say thank you. Uh, we recently, about a month ago, so a month ago to this being released and aired, had a, a conversation on the Facebook group page. Krista Fisher asked a question about an area she was having issues, difficulty understanding with, when it came to uh, the word homosexual in the Bible. And because she had seen some things where it wasn't originally phrased that way or even put there, but it was put there later in history, she just wanted to get some full understanding on that. So me and you tackled that question with her and a few others chimed in to offer support. But it was a, my point being with it, not to get into that topic, it was a great conversation that I really thought showed the example of what people can do when they come together and talk about things scripturally wise without attacking or coming at someone. Yeah, and I think we're at a time where we need to be able to have the conversations because a ton of people have questions. I've had questions all throughout, and a lot of my journey has just been, all right, well, go figure it out for yourself because you can try and ask the questions to people and you can just get shut down right away and different things. Like, guys, that's not where we need to be today. Yeah, especially since uh, I think she said one of the things she saw it was on TikTok. Like, there are TikTok videos out there that are addressing the issue. And it was really cool to hear her ask us because it was not just taking what she learned from TikTok at face value and wanting to have a little different perspective, but it was a great conversation. And that's what the group page is there for. If anyone has questions, we have no problems putting them up there. And me and Murdoch will try our best with our limited knowledge of what we know, or at least I'll say my limited knowledge of what I know in Murdoch's the source and Still limited. of the brain. I was also going to say, I don't even think that we touched on that topic in our Q&As. So that's not even something that's been part of the podcast. But, you know, we're part of the body. So for us to be able to talk about stuff, it doesn't need to be like, hey, that last episode, here's the thing. Like, just put it in there. Also, sorry that it took me so long to get back to you again, Chris, that in that chat, a lot of personal stuff came up, which I'm not going to get into. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I chimed in because uh, for me, I wanted to, to see how would I approach this question if I was even asked it in general. And uh, it made me actually think how I would. I, I know what I know. And I sometimes, for me, I get, feel like I get caught up with, I know what I know, so it's just what I know. But then how do I explain that to people in a way that it would make sense? And how do I rationalize things in my brain? So I want to say thank you because it made me actually step out of a comfort zone and address something that I probably would have normally just been like, nah, not going to, not today. But yeah, that's what that, that, that page is there for. Uh, and anyone who has a question, go ahead, put it on there. We'll read it and we'll, we'll throw it out there. And anyone who wants to chime in on stuff like that, it's totally open for that. We're going to start creating some other things as we move forward with doing this podcast. We just got done releasing episode 50. That was the serpent one with Doug part two. So we're halfway there to knowing somewhat what we're doing. I think that's the phrase It's yeah. Once you get to hundred, you might know something. Yeah. You yeah. might know something. So we're halfway there to might knowing something. <laughs> Which that was a good episode with Doug. Delilah was saying, hey, that would have been a good one if you went for three parts, if you kept it going. So I know at least Delilah was really liking that yeah. one. I got a few phone calls throughout the day asking me about, hey, I'm listening to the episode and, you know, what do you think about this? Are you ta talked about this? And, you know, a bit further, she wasn't putting on our Facebook group, but I guess that's the benefits of being married to me. You can just yeah. call. Yeah, that, that probably would have been. But uh, when I listened to that episode, it's weird. That's our 50th one was part two. And part two is just like you two found this synergy 
and you just started talking because you guys really enjoyed the topic of the serpent and the depth of the history, more looking into everything beyond just what scripture has. And my part of this whole thing is like, here are four points to make sure you don't fall for the devil's lies, you know, and that totally got eliminated. So I'm listening to our 50th episode going, I said about four sentences in it, which was great because I think the topic was super cool for that to be number 50, knowing our enemy and what his grand schemes are. And, and even that we're going to talk more about Satan in two more episodes coming up. And we got some great guests lined up, I think, for this second half of uh, we have from the Pantry podcast, it's Shay and Michelle Watson. Mm-hmm. Their podcast is great. I listen to it all the time. It's not just one that I say I listen to and don't. I actually do. They're phenomenal. Yeah, I know you turned me on to that. And the first episode I listened to because I was like, oh, they got to be on. Like, let me just listen to an episode. And then I started listening, not just so that I could have points of reference to talk about, but because I just wanted to keep listening to the show. So yeah, and that was a great conversation. We actually already recorded that one. Spoiler, but we already recorded it. It was great. Uh, We got Elmo Compton, who is a missionary to... Has been a missionary to Peru. Looks like they might be switching up going to Tijuana next. Awesome. So he's going to come on the show. We're going to talk about Saul, who then turns into Paul. We've got Brittany coming back. She was great on the Sermon on the Mount, giving that whole perspective of the history of it all. And she's going to talk to us about Haman, which she kind of got a little, I don't know if she was upset, but when I put the post on like, what's up coming up on on, uh, social media, she was like, I thought I was talking about Haman. She sent me a message behind the scene, and I was like, you are. And then I looked at it, and I was like, oh, I forgot to write Haman on this one. But I put him on the Instagram one, so everyone knows that's coming up. So that's what's coming up on this season as far as what's left. Uh, We're going to take a small break, which we'll talk about more next week for the holidays. But that's what's coming up. This episode, we're talking about King Saul. Yes, we are. Different Saul. You said Saul, Paul. So there's a couple Sauls in the Bible, and we're going to King Saul. So Old Testament Saul, you know, as he's popularly known. As Old Testament Saul. <laughs> yeah. It's actually the first time I've ever heard that, Old Testament Saul. Yes, it's the first time I've ever said that. So there you go, starting new trends. Starting new trends. Yeah, I want to start off, though, with, uh, with King Saul. It's an interesting story, and we're going to get through it. And as far as why he's a villain, I mean, he's the first king of Israel, which should be like a great thing right it should be like this guy is looked at as like one of the top guys in the bible when we look at heroes or stuff like that but his life tells this interesting story of this a simple mistake but i want to go to the tail end of his life before we go into how he became king and all the stuff through there and i'm going to so most of our references will be the first samuel i mean saul's life is takes place all in first samuel and I'm going to actually First Chronicles, where they kind of tie everything up nice and neatly in a small package. And First Chronicles 10, 13 through 14 says this. This is kind of like, I've heard pastors preach this, and when they talk about this verse, they say, like, this is his eulogy. This is, if this was the last thing written about him, this is it. And, and it's, it's kind of heartbreaking, and we'll see why. But it says, Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance, and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. And so there's a lot in there, and I'm pretty sure you're listening and going, if, if you haven't read First Samuel yourself or know anything about Saul, you're like, wait, what? What's going on? But I, I think hearing this at the forefront does allow for what's going to be said as we go through it. Yeah, which when we look at some of the villains that we've covered, it's kind of like, cool, we have five verses about them. And there's a lot to say from those five verses. We have, I mean, Saul just spans multiple chapters throughout 1 Samuel. And there's a lot to his story. So we're going to have to kind of be sparing as far as how much we dig into it. But the things that we highlight, which I think will be coming from what you just said, right? As far as the eulogy highlighting, look at these things in his life. We'll definitely expand upon those some more. I know looking at him as a villain. But as I was studying, I almost came to look at this as a tragedy, right? We have the different, Hmm. like the Greek tragedies and the plays and the different things and the format that those follow. I really see, or Shakespeare or whatever the things are, for me, that's what Saul is. Like, not that he didn't play like somewhat of a villainous role and, you know, somewhat, depending on, as we're talking about it, you're like, yeah, that was pretty bad. But it is just such a tragedy. Like you said, he's the first king. It was supposed to be all this stuff. And with where he ends and everything that transpires to that end, it is like, oh, man, 
that I think it falls for me into almost the genre of tragedy. It, it reminds me a lot of it when you said that the first King thing, which I said earlier, but now it just finally clicked in my head, this correlation between him and Cain, right? The firstborn child, the Cain was the firstborn of Adam and Eve. And then there's these events that happen in their lives that then it, it is almost a tragedy. Like what would have been of this firstborn if this, this, and this didn't enter their heart? Yeah, I guess when you bring it to that, it's almost like, yeah, all villains, there's tragedy in there because we've talked about like, you're not born a villain and there's different things that take place and, you know, from inward or from outward and different things like, man, what a sad end. But I think especially just the way that it's recorded in scripture, for me, it just follows it. It's just tragic. There's a comic book story out there. This is where I get to nerd out on some of the stuff I like probably leave you out of it again pop culture here Uh, the punisher who's looked at sometimes as a villain but also a anti-villain or whatever they call the hero anti-hero who does bad but it equates to good somewhat and there's this comic book scene where where it's him and daredevil who daredevil taking on you know the persona of a daredevil and kind of looks like a little demon running around with the horns is actually a hero who attempts to do good. You know, he's not killing the villains. He's not killing people for what they did. He's capturing them and letting justice take place because he's also a lawyer. And there's a scene between the two of them as they're kind of fighting each other. And the Punisher story is that he was a soldier. His, his wife and children were all murdered in front of him, and he was left for dead, but then came back and said, now I'm going to go and take vengeance on it. And there's a scene between the two of them where The Punisher tells Daredevil, you're one bad day away from being me. And just kind of talking about this theme of when we look at King Saul's life, which we probably should get into now, as the tragedy of things. And a lot of people within in life that, yeah, they could be villains, but there does seem to be like a tragedy or this thing that happens in their life that kind of sparks more of that whatever underlying feeling was in there. Yeah, tragedy, or you can look at, and you brought up Cain, jealousy. Or it doesn't need to be just straight up tragic, like, oh, I, I lost family or I lost stuff. But yeah, let's get into it. All right, let's go. So the children of Israel, they are now in the promised land. You look at the book of Judges, and there's consistently a term that's phrased out of they did right in their own eyes and then were taken over by another uh, another country or another state or whatever. Another place came and took Philistines them over. Came Philistines came in. Yeah, yeah they, they just... They would do wrong. So we looked at Samson. Samson yeah. was a judge, right? Exactly. Yeah. They would do wrong, and then they would pray. A judge would come. He would help them out, do whatever, and then they would go back to doing that. And this was a repeating cycle. We get into the book of Samuel, where uh, Samuel's mom and dad couldn't have kids. She prayed. Samuel was born. In that prayer, she offered him up to the services of Eli. Eli was the priest at the time, and then Eli and sons weren't doing so great. God kind of talked to Samuel. Samuel grew up, overtook Eli. If you want to know more into that, just read 1 Samuel. I'm going to go through this quickly because then Samuel be kind, of, kind of becomes the last judge, in a sense, for the children of Israel. And in, during that time, they say, we want a king. So they go to Samuel and say, hey, look, we see all the other nations around us. They have a king. We want to be like them, which could be its own episode within itself of this whole story. Yeah, and when looking at even the progression, so before the judges getting into the promised land, I was kind of studying up on this a bit unrelated to this episode, but when we look at the angel of the Lord, you know, the commander of, of heaven's armies that was, went before Joshua, it appears to be that the angel of the Lord was with Joshua and with Israel all throughout. It wasn't just like that one time, like he went before them all throughout mm. a lot of those battles and was kind of staying with them and was with them there in the promised land. And then due to events, angel of the Lord leaves, and then time passes, and then a judge comes up. So you have a direct representative, the angel of the Lord, not just a angel. I don't want to get into the study of the angel. Super (laughs) important, though, to understand. But then you have right the direct representative leaving, and then you have the judges pop up because, you know, doing right in their own eyes, doing it right in their own eyes. And things got really bad, like just when we were looking at Samson, you have basically... Angel coming to Samson's parents like, hey, you know, you're going to have this kid. And they full on didn't get it to the point that they named Samson after a pagan god. <laughs> so it's just like, cool, God's talking to you and you name him after another god. And then you get to this point to where the judges weren't enough and you have Samuel. And even Samuel is getting a little hurt on that. Like, well, the people want a king now like the other nations. And God says, hey, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting yeah. me. We see the regression from direct representative 
to judges, now to, hey, we want to have something like the other nations going back to because they will provide and lead us into victory and into war, not trusting God for those things. And all that's laid out, and, and that's in Samuel, I believe, chapter 8, and then God even talks to him a little bit later in, in the chapters. But all that's laid out, and God had to let Samuel know this because it, it was a hard thing, I think, for him to, to take. But even for God himself saying, like, they've rejected me. They want to be like other nations. So we're going to find someone. And they go looking through. It ends up being Saul. And the description of Saul, again, to try to go through this a little quickly, is that he was a head taller than everyone else. He was a good-looking dude. And this is the guy they pick. And so they pick Saul and, and the sign. Some of the things about Saul, like after this happened when Samuel anointed him, is that the Spirit of God came upon him, which is great, right? You want that in all of your kings and leaders, that the Spirit of God would be upon him. And then there's this part where it says that Samuel prophet or Saul started prophesying. To even to the point where uh, I believe it's in Samuel or it could be somewhere else where they started saying, was Saul part of the prophets? Yeah, because he was walking with them. He's like, has Saul even become a prophet mm -hmm. now? Yeah. Saul at age 30 becomes king and he reigns for 42 years. So for 42 years, he's king. This is just a little history of everything. So he anoints him. All this stuff happens. Samuel tells him to go wait at Gilgal. Is that pronounced correctly? Gilgal? Yeah, Gilgal. All right, cool. I mean, Gilgal. That's sure. what I'm going to call it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're going with here. He tells him to wait for seven days for him. The seventh day comes and, and Samuel wasn't there. So Saul had all his soldiers leaving. They were like just getting ready to leave because they're getting ready to attack the Philistines. So he told him, wait seven days there for me. Seven day happens. The people are getting discouraged. They start walking away. And so they left. And then Samuel or Saul himself then takes it upon himself to offer the sacrifice. I think that's what they're waiting for was Samuel to come and, and do the sacrifice. And then Samuel shows up and he said, uh, you acted foolishly and you didn't keep the commands. That's verse 14 of chapter 13. It's actually 13 and 14. It says, you acted foolishly, Samuel. You have not kept the commands of the Lord your God gave you. And if you did, he would have established your kingdom forever over Israel. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought a man after his own heart. And so all this happens. This is like he just became king. When, when I used to read this, I thought like time had passed. Like he was anointed, became king. And like some years later, this story took place. When I read it again, it's like he just became king. And then this happens. And I know that it can seem really harsh. Was like, oh, your kingdom's not going to endure anymore because you, you disobeyed. There's a weird thing going on. So God is saying they're rejecting me. And so there's obviously this thing of a king being chosen. But then God is like, okay, I'm still going to go with this, though. So puts his spirit upon Saul. It's not like God was just opposed to what was going on. This isn't necessarily what I would have wanted, but the people are doing a thing and we're going to go with it. We're going to make the best of the situation, let it be. But Saul needed to be the kind of king that he needed to be. And here we have this point of obedience, especially when it's coming to offering the sacrifice and what's happening, right? So there's this big battle. The armies are coming against us like, you need to consult God beforehand. You need to offer the sacrifice and go through the proper ways about it. And you just see Saul taking it into his own. Like you said, there's the fear. Oh, my army's leaving. Rather than having that trust in God and waiting for Samuel and just like, cool, this is the way that I need to do things, took it upon himself. And we kind of see that with, with Saul is that when he takes the things upon himself and the trust is kind of waning a bit, it just doesn't work out. Maybe with the best intentions, you know, he was still offering the sacrifice to the God of Israel so that things could take place as they would, but it just wasn't correct. Yeah, it's interesting because the next part of what happens with Saul's life is that he makes this weird command of like no one's allowed to eat during the battle or until the battle's over. His son Jonathan didn't hear about this. So his son Jonathan finds some honey and him and his friend are like eating the honey and they're like, your dad, the other people are like, your dad just gave this command and John's not like, that, that's not a good idea. He shouldn't have done this. And then they're like, they, I believe it's they go and they pray to God of like, okay, are, are we ready to go attack the Philistines? Are we ready to go attack? And there was no answer from God. There was nothing there. God wasn't answering them. And then Saul found out that Jonathan had taken some of the honey, him and his friend, and he had eaten it. And the command was, if anyone eats, they'll be put to death. And now he's sitting in this situation of like, okay, I've made this command. I've got to kill my son. The soldiers and everyone around talked him out of it. And it's weird because it then goes, and I, at the end of this portion now is that then 
Saul went back to his kingdom. I'm going to have to say at this point that we retroactively put a disclaimer in front of this episode to read these chapters. Because looking at how we're jumping through things, it's like, I don't know how much it will make sense without the the background information. But yeah, it's it's a command that doesn't make sense because like, oh, you're at war. And it's almost like this, hey, you know what? Let's get in there. Let's do the thing. Nobody eat until we see victory. And it's like, does that make sense that you're going to war and you don't want to have like your people nutrition, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. have some sustenance and some energy. But I also get this like, hey, get in there, get it done. Like nobody eats until. And yeah, Jonathan wasn't part of it because Jonathan was in there leading his own strike against the enemy. And it's actually really cool to, to read that. But yeah, you just see some of the decisions on stuff and even they talk him out of it, which is then a weird thing because when you look at your word being your bond, or we, we saw it with Herod, right? Of just whatever you want up to half my kingdom. Mm. And then it was, okay, I want the head of John the Baptist. And Herod kept his word on that. But it's just weird here. There's just a lot of weirdness as far as within the biblical narrative, like who Saul is and how he handles situations. Yeah, it really is. And we'll get into the next Not to part. say that he should have killed Jonathan, oh. <laughs> but yeah. I think what's interesting, though, at the end of it where it says, um, I'll look at it. It's, verse, it's chapter 14, verse 46. Then Saul stopped pursuing the Philistines, and they withdrew to their own land. And the command was, let's attack them, let's attack them. And I believe it would be like we've looked at before where God's saying, you need to eliminate this this nation. The same thing will happen in the next story. But he stopped pursuing the Philistines, and it was the Philistines who eventually then came up against them with their Goliath and had that big moment between David and Goliath, which we'll touch on with Saul's life as well. But that stop, you know, that, okay, I made this command. It didn't go well, so I'm just kind of stopping here instead of following through completely. It, it Saul to me, and I'll kind of let the cat out of the bag where I eventually go with Saul's life, it's this idea of partial obedience with him. He was obedient, kind of. And when I look at this and look at his life, it's just God's very specific about how he wants us to be obedient. And I don't think he takes delight in our partial obedience. Partial or like obedient in his own way? Yeah. Of saying like, okay, this is kind of what this needs to be. I'll do that. (laughs) But it's like, no, 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 this is exactly what it needs to be. Not just generally, this is what the end result should be. Like, right, the sacrifice. Oh, this thing should be sacrificed. That's what God wants is for this to be sacrificed. I can do that. It's like, no, 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 you aren't the one to do that. And you kind of look at like the ark situation, right? Where God gave Noah the ark specific instructions where I I think if you read those properly and knew all the measurements, you could build the same thing. Yeah, they built it. I think it's out in Kentucky. Yeah, it's specific instructions. Like it's, it's there. But if he would have said, build the ark, here are the instructions, and I was like, build an ark, cool, I'm going to build a boat, I want to. I did what you told me to, but God's saying... <laughs> Great, humanity's last chance just <laughs> sunk in the flood. <laughs> it's the Titanic. <laughs> but that's the thing, is that Noah was considered righteous. That's why him and his family, he was righteous, and part of that was obedience, right? He trusted God, like, what is rain for him, right? Mm-hmm. But, cool, what is rain? I'm going to trust God, I'm going to build this massive boat. And we see that through direct and, you know, strict obedience. So, yeah, I think that the partial obedience are kind of, yeah, I'll, I'll get there, but I'll, I'll get there my way. And one of the big stories with Saul is uh, God tells him to go and attack the Amicalites and destroy them, like completely wipe them out. And so Saul takes his arm and he goes to do it, but he doesn't. They keep back some of the best things. They keep back the sheep, the cattle, the herd and everything. And, and God sent Samuel to him. And I caught this interesting, and I'm going to look for it because... It said that they were building kind of like a monument to Saul at this moment because of this celebration. But Samuel was sent there. And one of my, there's like a few favorite lines that have come out from the villains in the Bible. It was Samson, you have plowed with my heifer. There was another one recently that we did that was, that I said the same thing. But here's like the third one that Samuel comes up to him and says, what is this bleeding of the sheep I hear? Like basically like, what is this bad in the background? Why do I hear this? Like what's going on? And I just, I don't know, the way I read it, it just seems like Samuel's just like a frustrated dad almost. It's just always been one of my favorite lines in the Bible for some odd reason. Samuel is kind of in that role, right? Because he's connected with God and like he's the one that's remaining faithful and kind of doing the thing. And it's almost like Samuel is Saul's overseer. And when we get to this situation with the Amalekites, you have Samuel coming to Saul there in chapter 15, 1 of 1 Samuel. Samuel says to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. 
Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. This is what the Lord of hosts says. I witness what the Amalekites did to the Israelites when they ambushed them on the way out of Egypt. Now go and attack the Amalekites and devote to destruction all that belongs to them. Do not spare them, but put to death men and women, children, infants, oxen and sheep, camels and donkeys. So really brutal sounding. This isn't the time that I think in this podcast we're going to get into like, <laughs> how is a good God commanding this thing? But it's pretty specific, right? Even bringing in the oxen, sheep, camels, and donkeys. And when you get to verse 9, it says, Saul and his troops spared Agag along with the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, and the best of everything else. They were unwilling to destroy them, but they devoted to destruction all that was despised and worthless. So again, that partial obedience of, okay, I'm going to go and destroy, but this looks pretty good. Why, like, why would I do that? Like, we already won. Why do I need to do the rest of it? Like, do I really need to kill the cattle and donkeys and stuff? Like, this is, this is good stuff here. I really like the this part of it where it picks up in 17, where Samuel says, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he said, and he sent you on a mission saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amicalites, make war on them until you, you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Verse 20, But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. And that's so telling right there. And even the, the way the phrasing of Samuel, why did you pounce on the plunder? Why did you take that opportunity to take something that God told you not to? Again, going back, tracking with Adam and Eve, taking the opportunity of taking something that God had told us not to. It seems to be like this common thread when it gets to people's lives when it comes to obedience. Right. You, you brought it back to the garden and the obedience. You can have everything, but just not this, right? Be obedient in this thing. But what we saw in the garden was the temptation that came in. And we don't expressly get that here, but we can see even, uh, to go back to Cain and Abel, is that sin crouches, right? Seeking to devour. So when we see these other things as, and the themes, I think that we can read between the lines here and be like, yeah, the, the enemy behind everything is at, is at play here. Because the temptation, right? There's temptation like, oh, did God really say that you need to kill everything? So yeah, that's not in the verses here, but I think that we see that play out in our own lives that where God wants obedience. And just as you were saying, Saul says, but I was obedient. And there's so much of like, sometimes we know straight up like Adam and Eve who are like, no, I'm going to go hide because I know that I did wrong. But other times there's just the, no, I'm doing the thing, which is I think what Samuel's calling him out on. Hey, weren't you, didn't you used to be small in your own eyes? And just the way that pride can come in and how pride can lead us into obeying in our own way. Or, I don't know, it even reminds me of Samson when we look at it, that he was just doing his own thing and didn't realize that the spirit had left him. And, I don't know, I'm just seeing just the mosaic of all of these villains and how all of it comes together and really seeing the villain behind it all. Like when we talked about the serpent, we're going to talk about the dragon. Just the temptation that comes in, that why aren't we obedient? Because there's a temptation, there's something that draws us into disobedience, something seems right to us, something that serves ourselves in some way, and it seems good, but we don't get to choose the consequences of our disobedience, right? Like, we think that it's going to deliver on the promise of, hey, just do this and, and follow through, and we don't know what, what Saul was really thinking there, but it doesn't end well. Disobedience does not end well. No, it doesn't, and to me, the telling thing of it all, and this, again, could just be like, what Saul's life is defined by. But then I'm looking at it like, as you're talking about all the other characters and looking at it at myself, but I did obey God. I did obey the Lord. Like, I don't think he said that as like a cover-up or anything. Right. He said that with definitive truth in his heart that he felt he did everything God had told him to do. Right, because he said, I went on the mission that the Lord gave me. I brought back the egg. <laughs> I was like, no. That's... That wasn't the mission that the God yeah. gave you. There's so much into this. Even when we get into Haman, we'll see this mistake or this not completely doing what God asked him to do be a result of something that consequential for, for the Israelites down the road, which we'll get into when we cover that episode with Brittany. But here you see it. I, I did obey. And that, I, again, I'm looking at myself and I'm thinking, but I did obey. And I think that's the, the voice of what people say so much without fully knowing that they're not obeying God completely. And that's where for me kind of the tragedy in it that it seems like Saul keeps trying to do the thing that he's not doing like when when uh 
one with the judges said, oh, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And it was like an absolute wicked thing that they were doing. He's trying to do right in ways that seem to be better. Because when he says, I did the thing, he goes, I kept the best in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God at Gilgal. So he's saying, the reason why I didn't destroy them is because they're so good. It would make a good offering, right? So it's it's not like he's trying to keep them, as we were saying, like, to bolster up his own stuff. He's like, no, this can be for God. Like, look at this. This can be for God. And Samuel declared, does the Lord delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as much as in obedience to his voice? Behold, obedience is better than sacrifice, and attentiveness is better than the fat of rams, right? And again, I can see that in my own life to where God can just say, no, cut off the thing. You don't need that thing. That's not a direction I want you to go in. You know, whatever the thing is, and I can, no, but that can be useful. You know, I can keep this thing in my life because I can turn, I can turn it around for good, and I can make it serve God, where God is saying, no, I want obedience. And to just submit in obedience and sometimes, like he's saying, hey, this is the best of things. This holds value. I can bring something of value and I can bring the thing of value and give it to God in the way that I want to give it to him. And God's just saying, no, cut it off. Sometimes that can be relationships. Sometimes that can be a job. Sometimes that can be possessions. Sometimes that can be behavior. Sometimes that can be what's your time. Like there's so many things that that can be that we would rather not just completely cut it off because it's like, no, 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 I can use this for a redemptive purpose. Mm. Now, that's kind of where I see in my, no, no, but God, I did obey you. Yeah, I think of it, if, we, if I look at this again through the lens of everything is Jesus, right? Like mm-hmm. The command is to wipe out this enemy completely because of what they would bring in and the, what they would tempt the Israelites to do and change within their own lives and where they would have them compromise. But you got to wipe them out completely. That's sin. And the aggression that God commands us to attack sin is to wipe it out completely, destroy it. But like you said, we like to leave little things in. Oh, this isn't that bad. This won't hurt me in the long run. This isn't that big of an issue. And eventually it, it always is. Like leaving sin out there, and we're going to get into more of this in the next episode with, with the dragon, but we're in a spiritual warfare. And I think for a lot of times we're saying, I did obey God. I'm, I removed this part of my, out of my life. But he's like, but you still have this. Can you start getting this out? And, and we're like, but I like this. This I could use this for you. I could use how I'm a good communicator and very charismatic and people like to listen to me for your good. But God's saying no, because it's about you and your charisma, not about me. So I need you to remove that. I need you to, I need you to die to yourself completely. Like Getting that philosophy in our heads is so tough because I don't want to die in the sense of I don't want to lose me. But we have to in order to eradicate everything. And we're in a spiritual war. Like, sin isn't nice and cuddly and only going to attack when... Yeah, when you're ready. When you're ready. <laughs> it's like the, the sparring, right, between two friends. Like, all right, you ready? It's yeah, like, yeah, nah, it's not he, that. He, he's, he's coming with a flying Superman punch when you're not paying attention. Exactly. And it's vicious. <laughs> and I think if we became more aggressive towards our sin and fought back a little bit harder... It would save us from some of the mistakes that we see here. When you're talking about it, a really practical thing for me, even with all the best intentions, like I'm sure that Saul was going to come and like, hey, let's sacrifice these things. When I look at, for me, social media, anybody that has me on social media is like, I don't post anything on social media, but I've always had in the back of my mind, like you're saying, oh yeah, to be able to use my communication is just like somewhere in my mind, I think, oh man, I should start either writing or recording videos or doing something. To where like I can use this platform and use what God's given me to, to do something with it. And how many years have I had social media and I've never done that? But yet the amount of hours that I've spent scrolling through and different things. And I've learned a lot on social media. I'm part of really good groups on Facebook when I had TikTok. And like there's a lot that I liked on there. And just there's a lot of good stuff that I'm like, but this is a good thing. And it's bringing something good in. But there is definitely underlying because I wasn't actually using it for any of those productive mm-hmm. reasons. God is like, cut it out. It's a waste of time. Just start recording those videos, you know, start doing the thing and then throw them on. You know, if, if that's really your desire to do with it, then do the thing. And then, so yeah, just a conviction point for me was always the, oh, but my intentions on how I could use this thing for good. Meanwhile, man, I don't want to even want to see the collective amount of hours that I've spent on social media over the past five years that I never actually did the thing for God. But my mm. intention was there. There's like, no, but God, like, it's not evil. 
You know what I mean? I'm still being obedient to you in all of the other ways. I'm not sitting here looking at all kinds of scandalous things or doing whatever. You know, it's my friends and my family and good, good groups and stuff that they're posting. Like, it's good. I'm still being obedient to you. And, but for me personally, there's the conviction of, no, you're not. Mm. Like, I've, asked, I've told you specifically, put that thing to destruction. And even whereas recently we were at that conference and I, I showed you, I was like, all right, I'm convicted. I'm deleting TikTok. And you saw me delete it. I haven't reinstalled it, but I still have Facebook. I've just replaced the TikTok habit with Facebook. Ah, dang it. No, you gotta Facebook. <laughs> no, you can't. We need that for marketing. Cut, cut, to, cut, to, a, cut to commercial. All right, we're going to go to commercial because uh, this was a long uh, first half. So the second half will probably be slightly shorter. But I, I want to go in with this. You're talking about good intentions. And there's a song called Chasing Birds by the Foo Fighters. There's a line that, from there that they wrote, the road to hell is filled with good intentions. And I, that, that line stood out to me with that song because that is exactly what we're talking about here. That, yeah, a lot of times it is good intentions. It's good intentions. Good intentions by Saul. But what did God say to him? I don't want your sacrifice. I don't want your good intentions. I want your obedience. I want complete obedience. And we're going to pick up on the next half about how bad things got after that. Hi, everybody. It's Reed. Are you like me, always struggling to listen? Is following instructions an impossible task, or even worse? Are you continually only doing part of what is asked of you? Thankfully, the creators of the Simply Patch are back with another amazing product, the Obey. The Obey is an earpiece that goes in your ear and helps you hear and listen better. The best part about the Obey is it's so simple to use, as long as you're willing to follow the instructions completely. With your ears now open to hear what you're being told, you'll never again be accused of not being obedient. So try them today and see how the world around you changes as you listen to what you are told better. Now back to the show. All right, we're back from the break, and we're picking up where we left off with that story with Saul, and it ends that Saul now is trying to get Samuel to stick around with him and and make the sacrifices or, or do whatever it needs to be done there. Uh, but Saul, Samuel's like, nah, I'm out. I, w- I want to leave. And so Saul goes to grab him as he's leaving, and as he grabs him, he rips like his, his jacket, cloak, whatever it is. Garment. 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 Clothing. He rips his clothing. <laughs> And ripped his threads, <laughs> which is probably why he turned around and said this, just like these threads have been ripped off of me, so will the kingdom be ripped from your hands. And that's where Saul is then left at. And it's not where his story ends, but that's kind of the end of this little portion. And then the book of Samuel gets into the rise of David and David being anointed and, and the term that uh, Samuel had used, a man after God's own heart, God had found with David. And we get into the story that we talked about already in the podcast, David and Goliath. And why I'm going to touch on this briefly is because of David in David and Goliath is kind of where Saul starts turning. Right before that, I believe in scripture, it talks about how then an evil spirit entered Saul's life, right? Yeah. So you have before the spirit of God was on him. And yeah, now wicked. Now wicked spirit is on him. And so David actually kind of gets a job of like playing music to calm him down which is just fascinating and could probably take a deep dive into music and how it calms us and all that other stuff, but not this podcast. But Goliath comes to attack. We already know the story of that a little bit, but there are some things on there that we talked about where Saul didn't go out there and fight Goliath. If it was anyone who was going to, it would have been Saul. But Saul stayed in his palace, stayed away from the battle line, not putting himself there. And I, to me, it kind of told a lot about where his character was at at that moment. Yeah, just with where he was at at that moment, like you said, there's a turning point to where we started with, okay, God didn't really want the king, but he's going to put his spirit on him and like, let's make this thing work. Like God would have been with him. Like, if we're going to have a king over my nation, this is my nation. Like, let's make it work. But then because of disobedience and then rejection and then rejection, and then even Samuel is like, I'm done with you. And now you have like just his servants when this spirit of distress that comes to torment him is like, oh, his spirit or or his servants are witnessing this thing. Like, Samuel is gone now and you just see this big turning point that 
yeah, he's not going out to fight the battles anymore. Whereas before you have, oh, King Saul, first battle, go out and like do the thing, find victory. He's like tormented in his tent, needing David to come and sing him songs to calm him down, which is just another interesting thing that the way that God worked that in is that David started getting that relationship with Saul. Like to David, King Saul was still the king. And we see that David keeps that throughout, you know, his entire life. It's just like, no, this is God's anointed. And we just start seeing the juxtaposition between the two. Yeah. But yeah, where you see as David starts rising up, Saul just keeps declining. Another thing interesting, though, because we've touched on Jonathan a bit, Saul's son, is that David and Jonathan just, you know, the two are knit together as best friends, like beyond best friends. They are just close. And again, going back to that almost tragedy style of writing of just, man, my own son is becoming friends with the one who would usurp me and all yeah. of those things. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is crazy the whole story of him, and even looking at the staying on the Goliath story. When oh, sorry, I got yeah, off. Yeah, got a little bit. off track on that. One thing I want to touch on that, and then we we'll move forward with it, is that when David did step up, he came to Saul, and Saul's like, "Here, put on my armor." You know that, like, "Here, put on my armor and, and go out to battle." And it, it just kind of touching on the same thing that we already talked about, that like, if your armor was ready, why didn't you put on your armor and go into battle yourself? And again, when we're looking at sin in our life and the battle of sin, is that a lot of times, yeah, we're not putting on our armor ourselves. We're saying, here, you go to battle for me instead. And, and, and that's why the enemy's keeping us trapped with where we're at. But it, it's, a, it's an interesting story with, with this, because then David kills Goliath, cuts off the dude's head, like we talked about, which is... Again, the Bible is so cool to me, and sometimes the storytelling and how it, it does things. But then this chant started getting, or jingle started getting sang by people everywhere. David or Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And that just hit a spot in Saul's life that he, it was like that, like a snap almost happened, where then this guy, it, it almost seems this dude who was prophesying, almost seemed unrecognizable by this dude who then was filled with jealousy and rage. Like, he started playing darts, and David was the dartboard. Like, he got his javelin and started throwing it at David as David's running across the temple. Imagine, like, I picture this stuff. David's running across the temple, and he's just throwing spears at him, trying to kill poor David because of the jealousy that's in his life. Are we even going to touch on the fact that David ends up marrying Saul's daughter? Oh, yeah, that was, I think we touched on that in the David and Goliath (laughs) one. There's just so much of intertwined here, but what could have been so cool, right? Saul, the first king, and if he had kept in obedience and just how God would have blessed him. And you obviously have Jonathan as a great warrior coming up. David's obviously a faithful citizen who, you know, would have come and served. And all of these different things that Saul could have just been such a victorious life. But I think that, as we said, the turning point, he's just so far past, like, is mistake upon mistake upon mistake that even when, right before Samuel left, he was realizing, oh, I've sinned, but it said that, you know, the Spirit of God was gone from him. It's scary. That's a, one of the scariest sentences in the Bible. It really is. the Spirit of God departed. I know a lot of times today, because of what Jesus did, there's the statement of, like, once you come into a relationship with Jesus and God, like nothing can take that away from you. And Paul writes that, right? Like what can separate you from the love of God? And then there's this massive list. But man, I could do a bunch of bad things and walk away and depart and live my own life and live my way and be partial obedient and still scream out, yeah, but I'm being obedient. And Chris Brown said it. And, and since he's said it about Samson, it's just echoed in my head. And he didn't know the spirit left him. And yeah, so when we're talking about how scary that that term is it's just it really has been something that's more fearing in my life lately and i think that for us to hold the whole council of scripture in mind it's just like okay paul wrote that but jesus gave the parable of the seeds and the plants that grow up right mm-hmm. and withered away and choked out and it was only one out, or plucked away by the bird and it was only one out of the four now one of the four didn't grow at all but three of the four did grow. Only one of them actually made it to a fruitful life. Two of them, had, you know, got choked out and got burned out because no root and just like other pressures. So, yes, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's such a hard thing when coming to God. There can be all of the appearances of life. Saul or Paul would also write later 
They went out from us because they were never of us. So he also says, test yourself to see that you're still in the faith. And when we're really looking at not just, hey, one time did you pray a prayer? Like, I really don't think as I read scripture, like it's, are you persevering in the faith? Mm -hmm. Is the fruits of that decision, is the fruits of repentance still evident in your life? Because there's an apostasy where people turn away, right? It can't just, how can you have an apostasy from people who were in the faith to turning away from the faith if they didn't start off in the faith? You know what I mean? Like there, <laughs> there has to be a starting in it in order to turn away from it. And we shouldn't just sit comfortable and be like, oh no, like God's completely happy with me even though I'm doing whatever I want. I'm again, partial obedience or doing things that, the way that I want to do it. Like even Jesus says, those to me will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all of these things? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity or lawlessness. So again, lawlessness, you're not following the commands. You're not following the laws. I don't know why I turned that so quick towards <laughs> it, but it's a scary thing. It really is. And I think that we do need to check ourselves because God's grace, and we were talking about this before the show, is that I default to God's grace and mercy goes so far beyond where I think most of us in our judgmentalness would, would go. There's forgiveness for sin abounding. I am a recipient of that. But does that mean that I should continue to sin? Mm -hmm. Paul also says no. Right. Just because grace abounds, should you continue to sin? No, God forbid it. I even look at with him, the life of Saul being anointed, like anointed, anointed with the oil, the spirit came upon him. And then because of everything in him, the partial disobedience, the jealousy that started raging. I mean, the dude, David left and the dude went hunting David down. Like he was in all purpose and intent trying to kill this guy who really did nothing but benefit his kingdom. What did it hurt Saul other than David was getting more praise and getting more fame than he was to leave him alive and use him as a vital part of his kingdom? Nothing, nothing at all. But he couldn't have someone outshine him. And so he went on this, this hunt to kill him. It, it, there's two times in there. Again, go and read it because I'm just going to run through this book now a little bit quicker. There are two instances where he tried. He was marching out to kill him. And David had the opportunity to kill him mm-hmm. but didn't take it. And then there's this portion of scripture that gets very twisted by how people interpret pastors and everything where I shouldn't lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. I'll touch on that in another episode or maybe something we just do on a side thing because that scripture has been twisted out of control really, really bad. But he, David did refuse to do that. But here's Saul, this guy who just, like you were saying, who it's hard to put this into what it really is other than a tragedy. And I feel like within our Christian lives that we are all kind of like that Punisher thing. We are all one step away from sinning and sinning, and sinning, and sinning, and running into it that we no longer see where God's left his guidelines at, because we're just so beyond that. And even in scripture, you read it where it says that he gave them over to their sinful desires to just go with it, to just go and lean into it, because that's what they wanted, that we could do that. And I'm not negating the fact that Jesus can't bring us back out of that, but I'm saying there is a point that we can go where, where our disobedience takes us too far. Yeah, our consciences are seared, our hearts are hardened. And like you, you brought up the scripture, about nothing can come in and take away and can take me from that. It's like, yeah, but you can run pretty far away. Mm-hmm. And if you're making that decision, it's like, I don't, I'm glad that God is the judge. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to condemn anybody or judge. Like, as far as I'm concerned, we all stand condemned and in need of Jesus and in need of the gospel. And like, I need it as much as everybody else. And I need it today as much as I did the day that I first heard it. And then, the day when I came back into the church, you know what I mean? So, And that's what I think it gets lost at, is that we were talking about this again before the show, is that the gospel is so vital, but understanding what the gospel is and removing it from the concept of the gospel is, it's heaven, and the, if I don't accept the gospel, the punishment is hell. Like The gospel, the reward of the gospel, or the goal of the gospel isn't heaven, the goal of the gospel and what it does in our life is a relationship with our creator. And I get to have that here on this earth. I get to experience that every day here. And that allows me to follow him correctly and in obedience. So we can see that. And at a certain point, Saul knew that David was the anointed that was going to take his place. And again, just the opportunity for repentance. 
is that we see it throughout scripture. I mean, I always bring up Jonah and going to Nineveh, right? Nineveh was super wicked and God was like, hey, my judgment's going to come on him. Tell him. And they repented and God, you know, turned away from, from that. And when I look at Saul and just where he started and he was the anointed and he knew what it was to be with Samuel and he knew what all those things were and to go out and fight the battles for God and, you know, as a leader of the nation and have all those things. And then here he's in close interaction with David, who's the anointed who's going to, you know, come up and he's seeing, I can only imagine that he's seeing in David everything that he was and also everything that he could have been. Mm. And like, there's that point to where instead of trying to throw spears and pin him to the wall. And I think that the points to where David could have killed him and it comes up to like David, you know, comes up and cuts off part of his robe to kind of like, dude, I came this close to you. With yeah. like, I, I could have had you, but I'm choosing not to. And just to show mercy, there was Saul is trying to kill David. David's trying to say like, dude, this is what <laughs> mercy looks like. And, you know, this is how, you know, it should go. That Saul, I believe at any point could have went, you know what? David, in your followings of God, your heart that's after God, I need to return to that. Yeah. How do I enter into that that Israel can be led in that? You know what I mean? The, I think that really the jealousy that you popped on, that, that nobody's going to outshine me. And jealousy is such a hard thing to follow because what I've experienced in my life is that the harder you're jealous over something and you try controlling that thing to manipulate that thing, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> like the harder that you're jealous and you try after that thing, the more that you're going to find yourself degrading and that thing upgrading with whatever it is. You try and manipulate it or cheat your way or do whatever. And, you know, I'm, I'm speaking in vague ways. But it, it applies in a lot of in a, in a lot of ways, I think. Um, we see that with Saul. The harder he's trying to kill David and the more faithful that David is, it's just we're not supposed to live in that level of jealousy. Like us as humans, it degrades our spirit and where we end up is where we shouldn't mm. be. Tragic. Yeah, it really is. When you're talking about repentance and even the line of the gospel and what it like plays in our lives, like repentance is part of the gospel. That's the uh, a key point of it all. Like the gospel's for us every day. And so every day we have the opportunity to repent and repent and repent and try to move forward, move forward in those areas. Now, obviously, if, if we're consistently making mistakes and our repentance is just words and not actions, then yeah, it's not the same meaning. But I think that there is a point where we can repent and have meaning behind it, but also learn to like, I need to change and die to myself completely uh, and Saul, like you said, at any point he could have, but then we look at later that he's, he goes to the Witch of Endor, and not Endor from, uh, from Star Wars, but... No, no Ewoks? No Ewoks on this one. But he went to the Witch of Endor disguised I'm himself. I'm sorry. I can just see a little Ewok shaman. <laughs> <laughs> little Ewok shaman witch there. Yeah. The Samuel comes, he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, all disguised, Samuel's yeah. in disguise, and he's like, I need your help. And he's like, mm -hmm. like whatever. Yeah, I, forgot <laughs> yeah, I forget how they're talking. It's like cute little teddy bear talk. Yeah. So there's a cute little teddy bear. They're just like trying to give him advice or whatever. <laughs> but resurrects Samuel. So again, you see yeah. just. Which, which cool. I don't know if you're going to get to it, but I'm going to say it first. <laughs> Is that this witch was shocked that Samuel came up. You know, we talked about like powers in, in the Bible. Like some people did have powers to do some wicked stuff. Clearly, this one was a, a scam because she was more shocked than anybody that Samuel appeared. But in looking at that, right? So we have Saul again, like for, he got to the point, he's like, all right, Samuel, that's the man of God. I, I need Samuel back in my life. You know, he's just reaching back into the past and just like, yeah, he's the one. So obviously Samuel's dead at this point and goes to the witch of Endor, necromancy, all his stuff, witchcraft and everything like strictly forbidden by God to mm -hmm. do. And you have Saul, the king, still the king of Israel, going and doing this thing. And like you said, in disguise. And this is where you see that, okay, Samuel gets contacted. He shows up. The witch is like, oh, no, recognizes Saul and goes, all right, I'm, I'm dead. <laughs> like, this is a bad situation. But just the wrong way of going about yeah. trying to contact God to get back. Like, you know, just everything going wrong there. I liked what you're about to say there, the wrong way of contacting God again. Like, 
Because it wasn't even contacting God, but trying to go through the God. one who could contact, yeah. contact God. Again, taking doing things his own way and through his own and his own actions, and then eventually we get to the story where Samuel does take his own life. They're in battle. Jonathan unfortunately has already died, and uh, Samuel's badly wounded. He he gets hit by Saul is badly wounded. Yes, I knew I was going to do that at one point <laughs> in the show. It's just, it's just too hard to keep it's up. Just two Samuel letters Saul, missing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he Saul is badly wounded by a, an archer. And before the army comes, he tells his armor bearer to like, hey, here's the sword, kill me. His armor bearer refuses to do it. He falls on his sword and dies. And again, this tragedy of the story, I, I like what Charles Swindoll says. He says, Israel's first king, Saul, looked like he was born for the role. He was tall, handsome, intelligent, and sensitive to God's leading, but eventually lost most of his attractive qualities, the most important being obedience. Good old Chuck. I want to get him on the show one day. Chuck, if you're listening, come on the show. He's <laughs> not listening. But it's just there, there we are. This is the story of Saul, and this is looking at him as a villain or just a tragedy of what can become of someone just wanting to be disobedient. And not even wanting to, just like just doing things your own way. It's kind of like we are who we are, and no matter who you are, God is looking for obedience. And if you're a tall, good-looking guy, you know, with all of the things that can come from that, I'm like, I'm sure that he was used to doing things his own way and, you know, that working out or the appearance of that thing working out. And just God is saying, no, you, you need to come in and be obedient. Just as we've talked about villains, and I feel like in each episode, I have this thing of I really start relating to different things in the villain. And it really reminds me of on YouTube when we went through James and had our conviction series. Oh, yeah. Because there's there's always points in, in these episodes where I'm just sitting there and I'm like, oh, man, I can really see myself or like different things in this. And I don't want these episodes to be like, man, every villain thing ends up being like sad or heavy or something. But it's just... I don't want to be the villain and I don't want anybody who's listening or anybody I know to be the villain because the things that befall Saul are things that are common to mankind. You know, men and women, you know, all the way around. It's not just that you need to be a tall, good looking person. You know, the things that can come in just as far as shortcuts are doing things your own way, not listening to God. And God gave several chances there. And Samuel, you know, came and said several times before that happened and where we see a lot of the other villains, there's only a few verses. We see the whole, how many years did you say? 42, 43 42 years? 42 years, yeah. 42 years of his life. And that's how it ended, is that it starts with a battle and victory, and it ends with a suicide, him saying, I don't want these uncircumcised Philistines to come and get me. Mm -hmm. And he turns to the person next to him, you kill me. And the guy goes, oh, I'm not going to do that. So he just sticks his own sword out there and falls on his sword. And that's the end of Saul on the field. And we skipped over so many different things in this story that is just like, again, read it. It's tragic. And I don't want the equivalent of that to be in my life that you get to the end. I'm like, man, what happened to that guy? Yeah, that's a big question. What happened to that person? I think growing up in the church, we see it a lot. And we, we've all asked that. Like, I've, I've seen that and asked that question. Like, what happened to that person? And I'm sure at one point in my life, someone said, man, what happened to that guy? Looking at like the villains we've covered so far, you know, what made Judas a villain? Well, he betrayed Jesus. That's pretty villainous of you, right? You betrayed Jesus. You're a villain. Uh, what made Ananias and Sapphira a villain? They withheld back money from God. Yeah, I could see that being villainous. And uh, Simon the sorcerer, clearly the dude's like a sorcerer. That's a villain. Cain, he killed his brother. That's a villain. Uh, the serpent, clearly a villain. If not the villain, right? <laughs> yeah, the villain. The villain. So you can see this thing of like, what made them a villain? I'm sitting here thinking, what made Saul a villain? He was disobedient. He was jealous. And that's scary because what could make me a villain? Disobedience, jealousy. You know, it's not always the big things. We'll get into some crazy things in, in the further with some of these villains like Haman. We want to wipe out all the Israelites. Yeah, that's a villain. Nebuchadnezzar, conqueror, Herod, baby killer. Yeah, those are villains. Those are those, they earned the monogram of villain. But when we look at Saul's life, it wasn't like he did anything crazy. It, that first Chronicles thing, that eulogy of he was disobedient and went to a witch, not an Ewok witch, but a witch, that, that was why he was who he was. So that's why it ended the way it ended. But when you see somebody in his position exercising disobedience, it's like, 
not a good thing. A lot of people are affected by that. Yeah, he wasn't Nebuchadnezzar and imposing army coming in and like putting them all under, but didn't have good effects. And when we just look at the disobedience and then, yeah, just not seeing what God is doing and submitting to it. So really, the villainy is opposing God, right? Because mm-hmm. it was obedience to God. And then when David is being raised up and there's that whole thing, just still opposing what God is doing to the very end. Yeah, not a good spot to be. Yeah, I always tell the kids this, and then we could wrap up this one. Kind of leaning back on the partial obedience thing. Like if I told you guys to do something and you did half of it, is that listening? And they say, no, it's not. And I said, right, it's partial obedience. So is partial obedience obedience? And obviously putting the word partial in front of obedience already tells you that you're not obedient. And I think a lot of the times that we can live our Christian lives that way that I partially obey, and I, we've touched on it a lot on this episode, but just wanted to throw it out there. We could partially obey, we could partially obey, I could partially give God some of my time, some of my heart, some of my obedience. And, and that's not what a disciple is. That's not what God's looking for. He's looking for a disciple who will follow after him, who pick up that cross daily and follow him and lean into him more than leaning into his own self. Because clearly looking at some of these people, when they've leaned into their own self, this ugliness inside of them comes up. And what saw it was jealousy. This ugliness that was so, I'm so jealous of David. And again, I, I said it earlier, David could have been an essential part of his whole kingdom plan, you know, like of You want a warrior he, like that. Yeah, you want a guy who's going out and collecting, did, did he collect foreskins? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you want the guy who's going out and collecting foreskins. Foreskin, no, no, it was earlobes. It was either foreskins or earlobes, but he killed a bunch of people and collected them. And you want that guy on your team because he's the guy who's going to help you win battles. But he just couldn't, he couldn't get past the idea that people like David more than him. And as that role as king, it was his jealousy that just took over. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got. It was foreskins. <laughs> quick, quick fact check. It was foreskins. <laughs> yeah. So the jealousy really when the, that song, with the point of the song, and it says the women who were dancing started singing, Saul killed his thousands, David killed his tens of thousands. It just says Saul was infuriated. And just the jealousy that comes up from that is a huge driving factor. Another thing for me, though, just in the partial obedience is, and I didn't think that it would hit me that hard because it didn't during the study, but just in the conversation of, but I did obey. Yeah. And specifically when it says, I, I went out on the mission right? And you brought up disciple and it's like Christ left us with the mission. So again, like I'm out on the mission. But then when he follows it up with, yeah, I did some of the stuff he said, but here's how I'm doing that thing in my way to make it. I kept the best so that I can do it. It's like, you weren't supposed to do that. And we see that a lot in the battles where different people would keep idols or keep treasure or do different stuff when God says, don't do that. And it always results in a loss, you know, a defeat. And so not following God's way ends in defeat and in loss and you know just all kinds of for Saul and ended up in cool your line isn't going to be the one on the throne I'm going to raise up raise up another one but for me that's a really big thing just through the conversation of man I really need to humble myself and check myself that am I just thinking that I'm right in the way that I'm obeying Mm. have I convinced myself that something's okay because of what I'm gonna do with it or because of whatever how attentive, because that was another thing in, in that God desires obedience and not sacrifice, says attentiveness. How attentive am I being to what God has told me to do? Because if I'm honest, today is going to have a lot of repentance. Like, yeah. this isn't just for the show. Like, I'm telling you as a friend, like, there's a lot of things that just aren't overtly wicked, aren't anything, but it's like, I need to adjust my life. Because like I said, with the social media type thing, it's like, yeah, no, but it's for me. And what God is like, hey, be attentive to what I'm telling you. And I can almost say this as prophetic, that if I don't, I'm going to run into defeat. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be good. And I don't want to end up like Saul. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I got. Man, I'm all pensive at the end of this episode. <laughs> We're going to go out to lunch and I'm just going to be sitting there like, man, i got to change my life. But that's what, that's what these stories are supposed to do, yeah. right? Like they actually happened. Saul was really there, but it's recorded down and retold so that we can see how God has moved throughout history. And all of these different stories, all in the, whether they're small or big or the details that's in it, is it's all pointing us to Christ and all pointing us to God and all so that we 
can learn from these things. What is it? Is it all scripture is God breathed mm-hmm. for, for teaching and rebuking and exhorting that, you know, we're supposed to learn from these yeah. things and it's supposed to focus on, oh, yeah, cool. The same thing, it's the equivalent of going and watching a Marvel movie, but what would be the equivalent of Saul? Like Braveheart, or like I don't know, something with swords. Yeah, you gotta go that way. Um, Lord of the Rings, he's Barmu. Intriguing. It's another thought. Oh man, we could have another conversation (laughs) on that. But yeah, I get what you're saying. That uh, that the one thing I always lean on when we talk about the Bible is that the Bible, it's not about you, it's about Him for you. And when I look at it through that lens, that it's not about me. I'm not David. I'm not these characters. But it's all about him. So I've got to find Jesus woven in throughout the scriptures. But it's for me to change my life to move forward. So I could read someone's life like Saul and say, there's the warning. Maybe God's not got a Samuel or coming down with an angels and telling me, like, stop doing what you're doing. But I've got a Saul to tell me, stop doing what you're doing and move forward in pure obedience. Yeah, I think I've said this before on the podcast, and this really will be my final thing. It's not all of the scripture or all of the things about God that we don't know that it's the problem. It's the things that we do know and we're not doing anything with. Yep. That's it. All right, let's wrap this one up. I'm Chris. I'm Yurdu. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening. <laughs>